Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's Tuesday, the 15th of October. I'm Jules Breach. He's Andy Brassel, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. It's a comfortable win for England, but the 6 0 scoreline isn't what anybody will remember tonight in Sofia Fall. More racist abuse of England players, the adherence of UEFA protocol. The game at least did get to the end, but UEFA have to have a long, hard look at exactly what has happened tonight. Coming up, we'll discuss England's win in Bulgaria and the repercussions of that match as well. England beating Bulgaria by six goals to nil in the Euro 2020 qualifiers. But there are certain things bigger than football. And the more important story on the night, Andy, England's stand against racism. And it it felt like last night it was the first big real step in the fight against racial chanting at football matches. There was this protocol that we heard was going to be put in place and we saw the actions of that. There was steps one and two. And this is the closest that we've come to seeing a match being abandoned due to racial chanting in the stands by fans. Do you think that the right thing happened on the night? And a match of this profile Mm. as, as, as well. I think you have to say that because unfortunately it's not the... The first instance, even in this Euro 2020 qualifying campaign, of of, of this sort of stuff being meted out to, to England's black players, um, as happened in Montenegro, um, but it, it, it's difficult because I can understand it's it's, it's not happening quickly enough for, for for some people, and I can totally understand that. Um, 
But on the other hand, I do feel that the protocol was stuck to um, by and large. And I, I think that's, that's very important. It felt like um, England pointed out what happened and um, the officials reacted. Of course, you had a, a, a quite large group of um, Bulgarian fans being removed from the, the, the stadium before halftime. Um, but but it is it is tricky because you know people have such different reactions to it. I mean, we've been lucky; we've had a lot of correspondence this evening, and um, thank you for all your tweets. Um, for example, we've got we've got a couple here talking about the three point protocol, as you were talking about, Jules. Uh, this is from Simon. Do you think the three point protocol to tackle racism is working in this match? Should the England team have walked off by now and not wait for the third occasion? Racist chanting occurs. And uh, Jacko writes, what should the correct procedure for racist abuse be? Three strikes is ridiculous in my opinion. One and done. England should have walked off. If England were to walk off, um, you know, we, we, we already see Raheem Sterling as as a leader and someone who's bigger than football, it shouldn't be down to him to do it. It should be the white players who are leading that. It should be uh, a decision of Kane and Southgate to do that if they were going to do that. And that, that was something I think Ian Wright pointed out. And Ian Wright was absolutely terrific on ITV tonight, by the way. Um, you know, you could feel how, how passionately he felt it, but um, it was really well argued and clearly argued as as well um i think the three point protocol is i can understand why people find it lenient but i do think dialogue is 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 important because i don't think it's about communicating with those 50 odd people who are, are, are being chucked out of the ground at, at half time i mean they need to be removed that what they what they believe and how they behave is is unacceptable but what I think is important in, in terms of communication, and I understand at times like this, especially with such an emotive subject, that the natural reaction is to say, let's just cut Bulgaria out of the competition. Let's just get rid of them. But for me, the communication is about the other people in the stadium and the next generation and showing younger people who might be watching them that this is not acceptable and why it's not acceptable. That's really, really important rather than just basing it on dealing with a group of people who are just completely, you know, beyond help really. Yeah. The behavior from the section of Bulgarian fans that you're talking about was, was actually really upsetting to see and to watch. Mm. It was disgusting. It was horrible behavior and the protocol in this sense, that the two steps that we did see in place worked in the sense that those fans were removed. Yeah. What was interesting is that in the second half, there was continuous racial chanting and we could hear monkey chants when mm. we were watching the highlights after the game as well, particularly when Raheem Sterling was on the ball and nothing was done and the third point of the protocol wasn't put in place. Now, my guess, and I we don't know this for certain, but my guess is that Raheem Sterling didn't hear it the third time because otherwise mm. I'm almost certain that he would have gone over and said something. Why wouldn't he? The, the players all got together. As you say, it wasn't just the black players that were going over to Gareth Southgate and, and having a word. It was the whole team together 
all went over in the first half and they all had their say and decided collectively as a team that this was something they needed to stand together and, and have a say on. So and that's massively important. It was, it's that's, hugely that's massively important. important. And in the second half, my, my only guess is that perhaps Raheem Sterling didn't hear those chants because, it, mm. you know... I didn't hear it at the time the match Same. was on. We only Same. saw it when we were watching the highlights after the game when ITV flagged it up. So that's my guess on why the match wasn't eventually abandoned despite the fact that the racial chanting did continue into the second half. How much do you think England's feelings should play into this and the feelings of Raheem Sterling and Tyrone Mings, the players directly affected, should play into it? Because, you know, we heard Greg Clark speaking afterwards and I know um, what he had to say split opinion and Ian Wright for example was was, was pretty disappointed with it um, but like, when the England team has made a collective decision at half time we want to carry on we want to finish the job I mean it's a it's a difficult decision isn't it and it's, it's difficult yeah. for, for me to sit here and say what they should do it's not for me to sit here and say what they should do but how much does it play into it if Raheem Sterling and Tyrone Mings, for example, say, you know what, whatever happens from now on, let's just get out there, finish the job, win 6-0 and go home. Well, I think that is down to the players, isn't it? And yeah. I think that even if there was one player who said, I disagree with that, I actually feel quite strongly about walking off the pitch if this happens again. I think mm. as a team, they would have all stuck together and done it. So I do think that if a player felt very strongly one way or another they would stick together and it was clear that they decided to come out as a team second half and and finish the game off as I said I do think if they heard the racial chanting continue in the second half they would have walked off and this would have got to the final stage of the protocol and the match would have been abandoned but I'm just reading Raheem Sterling's tweet now and um, he tweeted after the match he said I I feel sorry for Bulgaria to be represented by such idiots in their stadium but anyway, 6-0, we go back to our home. At least we did our job. Safe travel to our fans. You guys did well tonight. So he's pointing out that, you know, it it is a small section of the Bulgarian fans mm. because there was a large number of them that were still there and probably represented their country mm. in the correct way. And we saw the Bulgarian captain at half time going over to the home fans and pleading with them to stop this behaviour and if there was anyone around them to tell them to stop it because I'm imagining that Popov probably thought if this continues we could be expelled completely from the tournament. Yeah, that's right because of course they're, they've got a good chance of, of, of getting into the, they're likely to get into the playoffs. So that would be a, a massive deal to them. I, I mean, I, I just wonder how people think this should be dealt with. We've got another piece of correspondence here from um, Gabriel. Thanks, Gabriel. It says, should UEFA consider banning Bulgaria from competing for a while? How many times can you have your fans chant racist things and only receive fairly mild punishments, which clearly don't affect on them? I think harsher punishment is required to make an example out of them. I, th I think it is natural to, to, to want punishment and, and strict punishment at, at this time. But I think you've got to think about how do you actually go about changing things? And I don't know, does ostracizing an entire nation, does, does, does that really, does that really help? I mean, doesn't that just cut them off from the reasonable parts of football society? Doesn't that kind of allow extremism to grow 
off there in the corner on it on on its own. That that's what would concern me about that. I think UEFA's job as some an, an organisation that's meant to be inclusive is surely to. You know, the thing is, the, the answers to this are not easy answers, are They're they? Not, no. it's, it's stuff that takes time. Mm. And I understand people's desire for swift action and, and retribution in a way, but that's not going to fix things. No, no, I don't think it will either. I agree with you. This is something that's going to take a lot of time. And I think one of the important things that we saw in the match is that we've not seen this before. We've not seen Protocol 1, Protocol 2, where the match was stopped for a certain mm. period of time while they were discussing what their next move was going to be. We've not seen that happen in a match of this magnitude in no. a qualifier for a major tournament. And I believe that this is a first big step because other fans of other nations and other teams will have watched that tonight. And this will be huge news all around the world, what happened in Bulgaria last night. And I think that other teams and other fans will see this and will say, well, we we don't want this to happen to us. Surely this has to be a step in something changing. And that's why Ian Wright prior to, you know, hearing Greg Clark's comments after the game, the FA chairman, why he was quite positive about what had happened on the pitch. He, mm. he called it a fantastic moment. And I think that yeah. it's important that we remember how positive it was that those steps were taken. Because before this, all we'd seen was banners in stadiums. What's that going to do? That's not going to do anything. Yeah, I don't think it is going to do anything. And I don't think fines are, are, are going to do anything. And so playing we're... games behind closed doors, that does nothing either. These, those aren't, mm. those... Those things aren't going to be enough. Whereas what we saw in this game was, it felt like, a, it felt different. It felt like there was more to it. And it felt yeah. like we were actually getting somewhere. Because if that happens again, and the racist chants continue, I guarantee you a game will be abandoned soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. I, I guess the other side of it, though, saying that, Dialogue is important and changing attitudes is important and, and, and that takes time. I, th- I think we can't expect UEFA or football to cure all of society's ills. And, and this is societal, is, yes. isn't it? It's, it's not just, a, it's not just football. A, a football problem. It just happens to be taking place in, in a football stadium. So I guess the bottom line is what is the most safe, reasonable, I don't know if comfortable is the right word because, you know, we, we like atmosphere at, at, at a stadium. But what is the optimum conditions for black players and players of colour to just do their jobs without being hassled? I mean, that is all football can can really affect. So that's the other side of it, isn't it? It's just really unfair that these men are going to work. This is their workplace. The football Mm. pitch is their workplace and they are turning up to work and being racially abused publicly. Mm. So something has to be done and now is the time. We've done enough of waiting around to see what other steps can be done. We're now seeing something that tonight, actually, it worked, essentially, because... We heard from Tyrone Mings after the match. He said that in the second half, he felt that it had improved. The atmosphere had improved and he wasn't hearing the chants anymore. So 
if this is working, then it has to be put in place again. And this has to be the procedure that we follow. And I'm sure that UEFA will have learnt from the match what they can do better next time, how can how they can improve that and mm. how they can maybe make this a quicker process and and all of the things that that we want to see and ultimately to stop racism in football. But really it's 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 been the players who've been the leaders, hasn't it? I mean, ITV showed that thing a couple of times of of Tyrone Mings drawing attention to it yeah. quite early on from uh, to, to the assistant ref. And I think that's quite notable, isn't it? Because to have that environment and to, to have that confidence, I think, and, and, and that is like part of the environment around you, I think. Particularly when you're on, on your debut. When you're on your yeah. debut, when you're trying to concentrate on that, to turn around and, and bring it to... To the officials' attention, I think is 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 really really important. I mean, we've talked about Raheem Sterling and and his leadership qualities, and players do have so much power in the, in in their word, so much more power than they ever did before. And of course, social media is a huge part of that. And Raheem Sterling, for example, who I would never say is the most effusive in interviews he's able to get on the front foot and get his message across through his own channels. And I think, you know, that is something that puts pressure on the authorities to do something is something that sets the agenda. And that is hugely important. And I think really that has, has been the main thing to, to, to make this night feel that, that, that it's different. And we have to remember as well the ages of these players we're talking about. These mm. are these are young men and they have such huge responsibility on their shoulders. Not only do they have the pressure of the job they're doing, they're in the spotlight, they have to perform, they want to qualify for this major tournament for their country. But not only that, but they have got a huge societal issue with millions of people watching over to see how they are going to handle this situation. And, and they, they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have they to. They should just be able to get on with their job. Exactly. But look at how they dealt with it. They had dealt with it with class. They dealt with it as a team. Mm. And I couldn't have been prouder watching the way that yeah. they all they all handled it. And Gareth Southgate, as always, was just absolutely brilliant. He, he said post-match, we made two statements tonight, one on the pitch and one with the stand we made on racism. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um but it it does make you think, doesn't it? The amount of pressure on those those players who who, who have to come out and you know are expected to be leaders in their early or mid twenties. I mean, Mario Balotelli's been through it all, and I know people have their issues about the, the way he conducts himself on on the pitch. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, a completely different, and in this case, totally irrelevant um, aside to that. But you know, it's, I think it's something that's very rarely acknowledged about Balotelli, that as a black Italian, for the stuff he had to cope with from when he was a teenager, and, you know, he's just a normal Italian teenager. As, as one Italian journalist once said to me, all he wanted to do when he was at Inter was not go out club and he wanted to, like, spend all his money on pizza, bad <laughs> trainers and computer games that he could play with his mates and all of a sudden he's expected to be a spokesman for a generation a leader that is just it's it's unbearable pressure really isn't it and it's something that whatever you think about Balotelli and 
if he's maximized his talents or, or, or whatever. I think as someone who can speak out eloquently on these sort of issues, he's been absolutely fantastic and that is rarely acknowledged. It's such a difficult thing to do and particularly as you mentioned, Andy, and you can speak more about this than I can in terms of your European football knowledge, but in Italy, the racism out there, it's almost... It feels to me when I watch on as a fan like it's acceptable in those stadiums because it's so apparent. It's funny because I think it seemed as if they got to a point where they'd started to deal with it very well when they closed the San Siro after Khalidu Kulubali um, got some um, racist abuse when uh, interplayed Napoli um, last last Christmas. And Ancelotti had talked about his willingness to walk off the pitch in, in, in the future. And I, I think to have a white coach of that profile come out and say that was very, very important. And the fact that the FIGC, the Italian FA, reacted in that way to close the San Siro, they know how important that is to enter financially in terms of support. And of course, the San Siro is the most iconic stadium in, in Italian football. That seemed to be a real step forward. But since there have been incidents surrounding the likes of Moise Ken, mm. Blaise Matuidi, Romelu Lukaku this season, and they've not been dealt with at all. So what happened in Bulgaria last night is something that, as Ian Wright said to, to go back to what he was saying, should be an epochal moment. But it's something that can't be allowed to to drop. It can't just drift into the background. It's, it's something that people have have got to keep talking about mm. and in the coming days, weeks, months, until the next international break and, and beyond, if it's really to, to be a turning point and if it's really to make a difference. It's really important that the discussion happens and, and part of the reason why we're discussing it today. And I think that it needs to also filter down into domestic leagues as well because... We talk about this a lot when it comes to the international fixtures, Andy, but actually on a weekly basis, up and down the country in the domestic leagues, racism is there. Mm. It happens. And I wonder how much more will be done, say, in the Premier League and, and further down in the Football League as well to combat this after seeing what happened in Bulgaria. Well, that is something that even if you have issue with some of the aspects of what uh, Greg Clark was saying. Something I, I did think he was he was very strong on is by not trying to duck English football's own issues. I think that's really, really important um, because I think it can be easy at a moment like this and understandable in many ways to kind of take the moral high ground and go, isn't it terrible out here? Isn't it terrible what Bulgaria are doing? But it's not e- exactly. just the Bulgarian fans. Exactly. This, this isn't just... Bulgarian fans are racist. That's not at all what's happened here. This is actually a much wider issue about football fans in general and how this needs to be stopped. Unfortunately, when you hear people saying things like, oh, what was their monkey chance? Can we be sure? Of course there was. Mm. There's no, just stop denying it. There's absolutely no need to deny what we have all witnessed because it was clearly obvious that those were monkey chants. So anyone that sits there and says, oh, 
But were they monkey chants? Can you be certain? Of course you can be certain that there's... I, I don't agree with anyone that says, oh, you can't be sure, because I think you can be. And I think that anyone that tries to deny that is just in denial themselves because they don't want to face the issue because it's not a nice thing to tackle. Of course it isn't. No, it's it's, it's not. But um, look, this this is a start and, and let's hope it's only the start and that things are going to improve from here. Um, but I, the one thing of all the really interesting and thought-provoking things that Ian Wright did say tonight that will really stick with me is that he said that his generation was the era that turned the other cheek mm. and now that's that's not the case it's we're in a generation that's that's going to take action and let's hope that's the case Kane will be able to pick it up he's beaten one he's beaten another goalkeeper comes out and he has scored Kane makes it six and there's a look of relief on his face, a grin as he looks to the heavens. Finally, he's been able to take a chance tonight as it was rolled in for him. And he's drawn the goalkeeper and fired it past him into the bottom left-hand corner. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. There was actually the issue of a 
really good England performance as well in in, in Bulgaria last night, and uh, they, they came out with that that six nil win. And um, a few of you have been in touch about that as well. Of course, you can always get in touch with us, Jules and Andy, at footballrambledaily.com at Jules Breach at Andy Brassel. Uh, just going to uh, read through a couple of your comments here, um, Christian. Heneage has, has written, who's been your favourite England player to watch across the last few internationals? That's an interesting Ooh, one. And uh, Just John, who I think is from your neck of the woods, is, is at Bright John. Hey. Very clever. Um, I'm thinking that last Friday was a bad night at the office and this is the England team we know and love. If Euros was, were to be held tomorrow, would we make it to the final? It's funny because after Friday night's game... I came into the match against Bulgaria not as confident as I was on Friday, Ooh. I'm not going to lie, because it was a not a defensive masterclass on Friday at all, was it? Um, but a lot more confident, a lot more assured. Um, we've talked about everything that was happening in the stadium. For the players to still put on a performance like they did against Bulgaria was seriously impressive, clinical finishing. We, I mean, we could have had more. Yeah, although I didn't see why Harry Kane had to be left on for the entire game. <laughs> Pochettino must have been absolutely doing his nut. I was thinking that as well, but that man never wants to leave the pitch. He wants to no, play 90 minutes in every single game. He just wants to score goals. He doesn't. And when you can... It, it, it sounds an exaggeration to say that he's cut from the same cloth as Leo Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, but in that sense he is. Oh, don't. Cristiano Ronaldo scored his 700th goal last night that man is a machine well, look, Harry Kane's not in the same league yet Harry Kane he is on pens though mm. which I think is something <laughs> you, you have to respect of course Cristiano Ronaldo's 700th goal was a was a penalty Kane's on pens what, what, yeah what, what, what I mean is that he's cut from the same cloth I'm not even talking about uh, talent on, and you, you're right you can't compare him to them yet but He's the same in the sense that he's relentless. He's almost obsessive in the way he goes about things. He's someone who improves a part of his game every single season. And that's what at least allows him to dream of being up in the same sort of area of those guys. And I don't know what other goal scorers really you, you can compare to those guys in, in a European context over, over the last couple of seasons because he's been absolutely relentless on no rest. And he's, he's played through a load of injuries, really. Um, so I guess maybe at this point, Pochettino knows, well, he's just going to do what he wants, isn't, <laughs> it, isn't he? If he wants to stay on and, and, and score a meaningless goal at the end against Bulgaria, think, let's let's let him. I don't think Maurizio Pochettino would have any choice in that matter because I think Harry Kane, as long as he's fit, he will play and want to play every single minute out on the pitch and he'll want to score a goal, set up a goal, be involved in the goals, do whatever it takes for the team. Obsessive is probably the best word you could have picked to describe it. Yes. I think that's spot on. Um, I want to bring you back to Kristen's question about who's been your favourite England player to watch over the last few internationals. Yeah, I mean, you can take away Friday night's game. You can just like yeah, look at the Bulgaria none of the, game. None before. of the above. <laughs> um, oh, it's such a tricky one, really, isn't it? I would say that Raheem Sterling just continues to impress me and amaze me on and off the pitch every single time he's in that England squad. Yes. He's just an amazing young man. And 
especially when, and it sounds really weird to say it because he scored six goals for Manchester City this season and he's up there as one of the leading goal scorers in the Premier League. Yeah. He hasn't actually been at his best for Man City. So to then come into the England team and you've then got to, you know, perform for your country. He's not been playing at his best yet. You see against Bulgaria that he's in amongst pretty much every single one of the six goals that were scored. Yeah, He's, for me, he has got to be my favourite England player right now. Well, I think Henry Winter was saying in the Times yesterday before the game, really what England need to be doing is finding a system to maximise what Raheem Sterling's got. I I think that's a very fair point. And if you look at that sort of way they played, I I mean, Henry Winter was talking about the the fact that uh, Sevilla needs to be the template when England went and won there Mm. in the Benito Villamarín last year. And yeah, I I don't think it's realistic to expect England to play like that every time. That was an amazing performance, particularly in the first half to to blow away Spain. But that idea of basing what they've got around their offensive attributes and especially the pace that they've got in the front half of the pitch around Kane, with Kane dropping to make the passes and and playing in those those guys, um, you know, ideally it would always work like that. I think you need a plan B because I think other countries have started to get wise to that to to a, a certain degree. Um, and they're going to find a way to, to, to cut off Kane and get centre-halves to, to follow him, I think. And you see that happen at times, don't you? Yeah. You can see that certain teams have massively done their homework on England and Kane seems pretty abstract in matches. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the thing is, in the past, may, maybe even a season ago, Defenders would have looked at Harry Kane and thought, well, if I get him outside the penalty box, I'm quids in. But but that's not the case. Mm. You've got to go with him if you're a defender because he can drop 40 yards from goal and make the passes. And when you have uh, Sterling, Sancho, Rashford, players like that, even even Mason Mount breaking from midfield if he starts to play more and more, um, that's, that's an area in which he could excel. Like Harry Kane could almost become the team's primary creator you know we're always talking about this number 10 and maybe that facilitated the rather unsuccessful tactical switch in in the Czech Republic because they wanted to get Mason Mount in the spot and and let him express himself create a a position for him which would be quite faithful to his to his club position which really is, is is all any international coach wants to do isn't it place a player in the conditions in which they succeed for for their club so I I respect them trying that out I mean Presumably, it would have been James Madison in the spot mm. had, had he have, had he have been well enough. Um, but on the other hand, I, I do think that the, the the plan A with Harry Kane is such a seductive one mm-hmm. when you look at the pace that that England have. What was your thoughts on Gareth Southgate? Because he made quite a few changes for the Bulgaria game. I wasn't expecting to see the Rashford-Sancho change. Did it surprise you? How do you think Rashford got on? Okay, but I, I don't. I don't think he's um, he's in a terrific place at the moment. Really, I think part of that is a collective expression of where Manchester United are. Um, but he's he's not quite himself at, at the moment. I don't feel he's he's his best either for for club or country. I suspect from a Dortmund perspective, they'll be delighted to see <laughs> Sancho 
not put on the rack for 180 minutes while while he was away. Um, because even before the international break, he he looked a little bit tired for 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 the first time in a while. And you've got to bear in mind how young he is. I, I don't think him playing 90 minutes every single week is necessarily of benefit to anyone. Um, so I think it's an expression though as as well that England have this depth. They're, they're able to, to to mix it up. If England have got concerns, it's not in the front half of the pitch. No, it's defensively, um, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think that the, the shape of the midfield is is an issue. I think the defence is still an issue. And I know Luke was talking about the the fullbacks um, on uh, the ramble yesterday, and I, I think that's absolutely right. It would there are demonstrably two better fullbacks or two yeah. more informed fullbacks that, that, that you can actually, pick at the moment in, in, in Alexander-Arnold and Chilwell. I actually thought that um, Trippier had a good game against Bulgaria, though. Yeah, he did. He played really well. but And he globally has played pretty well for Atletico so far. But I do think that Alexander-Arnold is the better right-back. You could actually make an argument that if he's not the best right-back in Europe, he's really close. Yeah. I mean, he's... It's, it's funny, I think the discussion around him is interesting recently because he's such a good, not just a good fullback, he's such a good footballer. I think people are starting to look at him like they looked at Gareth Bale when he played at left back for Spurs. Like, why are you hiding one of your best players back there? And I wonder how that discussion will progress, not just for Liverpool, but for England, especially when England need that little bit more creativity. I don't think it's off the table to see him being pushed a little bit further forward for England, especially in in the next year or two. And when you see his achievements at his age, it is actually extraordinary what Trent Alexander-Arnold has achieved. And I am amazed that he didn't play for England in these two games, despite the fact that, as I said, I thought Kieran Trippier had a really good game against Bulgaria. And the other fullback, I do think that Chilwell, for me, is the preferred left back to Danny Rose. Yeah. Um, obviously, that was an enforced change because Danny Rose was suspended for Bulgaria. But for me, I, I would pick Chilwell over Danny Rose in that position. Would you? Yes, I, I certainly would. I also think, you know, we, we talked about him right at the start in a, a different context. Um, but it was it was a good night for Tyrone Mings, and uh, that's not escaped uh, the notice of our listeners. Um, uh, Jesse Smith here said uh, Tyrone Mings didn't put a foot wrong. Obviously, he didn't Villa have a lot fan? of defending to do. I don't think he is actually. <laughs> um, no, I don't think he is ah. even. Um, uh, obviously, he didn't have a lot of defending to do, but looked decent on the ball and a big physical presence. And then also we've 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 got one here from uh, Esquin ninety two. Um, what an excellent player. Absolute dream set of physical tools for a centre-back and fantastic on the ball. We tested more in his defensive technique, positioning, but what a promising start. On the well, pitch. it was a lot better than Keane. Um, he looked confident. We talked about him having to deal with the issues of racism during the match as well. The confidence he had to make a stand against that on his debut. He looked confident on the ball. He just had a really good match all round on his debut. And I think that that is now his position for me. I, I, I can't see Keane coming back into that that centre-back position. So going back to the, the, the original question at the start of the section, final next year, what do you reckon? I'm always confident when it comes to England, so I'm <laughs> going to say yes. Why not? 
why can't we make the final? Hopefully next week, Jules, we'll be talking uh, a lot more about football and a, a lot less about the other stuff. But it's been fun as always. Thanks everyone for your your tweets and your correspondence. Uh, we, we couldn't do that. We, we couldn't do it without you. It's been absolutely invaluable. Um, like I said, if you want to tweet us at Jules Breach at Andy Brassel, you can email us at Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Unless you're selling products. We don't want to buy any products, (laughs) We get quite a lot of those emails. We don't want those anymore. Make sure you send in anything uh, that you want us to mention on the show and we'll see you again next week. Have a good one. This was a Stakhanov production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.